Welcome to Listening to Paint Try with Mike and Dan, a podcast about the art and hobby of miniature painting. I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. Thanks for joining us on our continued quest to become better, braver, and happier painters. Today, we have a special episode for our listeners. Wait, a special episode already? Isn't it a bit early for doing something like a special episode, man? Well, yes, a special. So we had a chance to speak to the duo behind CK Studios, Caleb Wissenbach and Kat Jackson. The interview went so well and was full of such great information, it really didn't seem right to have any additional material for the show. It's longer than the hour we want, but we think you'll enjoy the extra few minutes while painting or other great hobby activities, or driving, or if you need some sleep. Sit back and enjoy. Caleb and Kat, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you for having us on. You know, it's really kind of exciting to have you all out here, experienced miniature painters. What I'd like to know, though, to begin with, is how, how did the both of you get started in painting? Uh-huh. You can take that, Caleb. <laughs> you can make me go first? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, man, I got started painting back in about the end of 2009. I'd say in September of – roughly September of 2009, I picked up a – a model at the hobby store. I had been, I, I had been exposed to to Warhammer back uh, in middle school when I was a kid with Rogue Trader, and uh, about 2009 I picked up a model and just decided to kind of check it out and tried painting it and everything. Um, that turned into gaming, which turned into more painting. Um, realized that I really enjoyed the painting, and it really just took off from there. Awesome. Well, Kat, now it's your turn. How did you get started in this? <laughs> um, actually, I'm, I come from a little bit of a different background. I'm, a, I'm an avid board gamer and um, slash board game hoarder. And I um, was going shopping one weekend and they were having like, I can't remember, it was, a, it was a holiday sale. It was like Memorial Day weekend or something. And they were having a sale. So I went down to check out the board game sales and um, they happen to have a display of Malifaux on an end cap. And I come from an art background. I've always had an art studio and studied it in college and whatnot. But um, I saw these little figurines and I was like, you know, I could give that a go. Let's check that out. And like literally by the end of the week, I had bought so many paints and <laughs> all the gear that you needed to fill up your studio to paint these little things. And it just kind of took off from there. And I played Malifaux for quite a while until um, it was around the time that fantasy kind of crashed and people started coming over from the GW side and playing Malifaux. And that's kind of where I started getting my introduction over into the GW side of things. But I had already got into painting all of my board game pieces by then too so i was doing all the chibis and all that stuff so mine really came from a kind of a board board gamer background i, I can't believe you didn't quit after having to try to put a malifaux miniature together I mean, oh I... yes there were, there were many curse words <laughs> there were but i didn't know it was i didn't know it was going to be any different than that right. so um i i was building you know sets for me to play and other people to play so I could get people to play with me and <laughs> everything. So it was fun. I fell in love with it. That's awesome. It, it, it's, a, it's amazing how many people's uh, different paths to the kind of the same artistic 
side of it. You know, people start in the gaming side, then they fall in love with the painting or people that start out just not knowing what they want to do. And then love, love, that's kind of me when loving the painting side of it. So, yeah. Yeah. And they kind of, it evolves for people. They go back and forth with it. Some people, I just had about four different conversations today um, online with different people that are, you know, I'm not playing right now. I'm just really into the hobby and, and working on their armies and stuff and, and haven't played for months, but they're steadily painting and steadily building and they're, you know, kind of on that buzz right now. So it's cool. You see that kind of ebb and flow with everybody. Excellent. Well, Dan, I'm going to let you chime in now. I don't want to hog the conversation. Well, I don't even know where we are in our conversation since uh, you messed up all my questions. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> um, I told you to take the lead, man. <laughs> no, nah, that's why that's why you're there. I'm just here in the background. Caleb and I are just uh, we're just chilling out in the back of the room and let you two talk, and it's it's been pretty cool. So. Chat, Chat just has such a fun story, you know. <laughs> Thank you for the journey that she's had. Yeah. So, like, in my case, my journey isn't that exciting. It's just like, hey, I'm in middle school. Let's start playing some Battletech, and let's blow some robots up. And and that's kind of, like, how I got it. It started in everything. And, uh, you know, to this day, I'm still playing with stupid little robots. But but it's <laughs> cool, and it's, in, it's enjoyable, and it's lasted 30 years, and uh, it's been all right. Oh, man, that's cool. So Hey, Dan, I think we should definitely call an audible. I think you were right. I think we should definitely – make sure we say do the, the the thank you to them and i'll let you tell the story here of how we started and why uh this podcast is uh cat and caleb's fault oh it's their fault yeah you know <laughs> it probably, we probably could so um I'll, i will start with how that weekend began and then how mike and i ran into each other so your first 101 class and um, in Maryland, just before Nova opened a few years ago, I think four years now, five years ago, and uh, somehow wound up on a web on a, a Facebook group, and it said there was a painting class. I was like, "What, really painting?" It's like I never thought about like taking a painting class, especially airbrushing. I have a whole bunch of airbrushes, but they're usually for you know models, regular scale models. I was like, "Yeah, this might be kind of interesting," um, and I think like most of us uh, painters and gamers, you know, we go through those times where we're just like not interested and then we find time to become more interested. Something sparks our imagination. Something wants us to move forward in our journeys. And uh, that class um, really opened my eyes to a whole new world. It was um, quite amazing to learn like what I can do with an airbrush, what I can accomplish with it how much it makes things easier and i decided to take uh, some classes the following week at nova open and that is where mike and i ran into each other strangely enough in that first class that we took i think that was a blending class mm -hmm. and um, somehow we just sit next to each other i remember mike was coming in from work i took the day off and he still had a suit on when he was painting and i was like oh that's kind of weird <laughs> so, so I was like, okay, whatever. So that's how fast I forward, paint. yeah, in a suit and tie. <laughs> I do mine with no pants, but hey, that's only some of us. So, um, so fast forward 364 days, Mike and I end up in another one of your classes. 
I, uh, which class? Do you remember, Mike, what class? Yeah, it was the non-metallic metals. There we go. And um, from that point, we just we'd run into each other a couple times. And I think we had a few classes that day together or through that weekend. And you know, just like um, artists and gamers run into each other, like hey, you know, we had Facebook, so we're like hey, let's have our Facebook conversations and let's share information. And we continued this conversation to realize that we both work in DC, we both have the same interest, and that's just. We kept running into each other over time um, at the shows, but we were always running into each other and talking to each other outside of the gaming environment. And that's how our friendship developed. And I guess about a year ago or so, we decided we wanted to – or Mike uh, made a comment about doing a podcast. It was like, hey, you know, that, that seems pretty cool. That's something neat. We know there's a lot of them out there, but you never know what um, – what entity or what gaming system might might need an extra boost or or something along those lines. So we're like, hey, let's give it a try. We have a lot of GW ones and we have a lot of you know BattleTech ones because that's what I'm into now and and Malifaux and Fantasy Flight. Um, but we really didn't have anything or very few that specifically went with the hobby side. Now we know we have Facebook groups and we have. Uh, lots of YouTube, which is a lot more visual than, than me making funny faces over here. Um, so we said, hey, let's give this a try. And so here we are a year and a couple of days later, and uh, we're on episode three, I think. So yep. that's that's where we're at. And um, I never get enough opportunities to thank both of you mm-hmm. to putting me on this path. It was just a fluke. I stumbled upon your airbrushing class and it literally changed my hobby life and i know people joke around and laugh about it but definitely it's um i can tell you all the things that have transpired since then to make me a better person but i really do owe it to both of you um that i'm where i'm at today oh get me the feels man I'm not supposed to do that. <laughs> so I have to add the, the guy. Can't. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, it sounds like everything's happened exactly like it was supposed to. Exactly. It, it always does. It always does. Now, I'm going to have to give you the this is my my wife's comment on the situation is that this is such a guy thing because Dan and I actually worked in the same building for two years and had not met each other. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that great? <laughs> so we had we had taken the, the the first class together, and that kind of started. And even the second class, after the second class, we had taken together. We still didn't know that we worked in the same building, so we really started hanging out after he moved down the street. And then I was like, "Crap, we used to work in the same building." <laughs> yeah, because awesome. guys don't talk right. We we don't we don't have no. the right conversations. <laughs> Well, and if you're both wearing ties to work, you never know what geek is hiding underneath. That, that's, that's true. true. That's, that's true. <laughs> well, you know, I tried. I, I'm on a train, and there was a guy who was sitting in front. There used to be a while back. There was a guy, and I, he, uh, the way the trains are, you can see the reflection. So it's kind of funny. Some of the stuff that you see other people sitting in front of you are looking at. And he was going through his Facebook account, and I kept seeing 40K figures. And then the day I was going to approach him, obviously like a novel, he stopped showing up and then oh. a couple, yeah, exactly. So a couple of days ago, there was an older gentleman 
and I could see his tablet, and he was looking at uh, rules. I couldn't recognize what game it was, but it was definitely a miniatures game, and he was looking at rules on this game system. And I just, you know, I chuckled and said, you know, you just never know who's around you and who's really into this because we're still kind of like, you know, especially as older ones, we're like, hey, we're going to hang out in the basement and not show anybody what we're doing because it's all creepy and stuff. But right. <laughs> I so hope we've brought it out of there. I, I think I think we're there. It's pretty mainstream at this point. Um, yeah. I, I think it's uh, it's exciting, but it's um, it's like Star Wars almost. <laughs> like, don't we want we don't want too much of it? Disney, please don't buy all of our cool gaming companies because I don't want to brush my teeth with a a corn toothbrush. But that would that'd be the end of Slanesh, though, for sure. <laughs> yeah. It would. Lots of princesses, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's rad. Oh, fun! What a great story. Oh well, thanks. And I th- yeah, I think I think you guys. Every time I'm throwing one of my miniatures around because I can't make it look right. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna ask. Did, you, did we get cursed out as well? Thanking us. <laughs> uh-huh. I Starting see your fingers, care. quote unquote. <laughs> So what I, I'm curious is because of this, I know that the both of you thoroughly believe in, in building the hobby community, which is awesome. Yeah. We, we totally agree with you. You know, y'all are doing a wonderful job, but I'm curious as to what it was like to go from painter to teacher, because that's really, I think that's, you know, you do a lot of wonderful things, but the teaching really, I think is I'm biased because I'm married to a teacher, but, uh, I, I just am curious as to how that transition happened, how it was, and how it impacted you. Man, um, that's such a good question. And, and when I was reading over the questions, I had to really sit and kind of think about that one because, um, you know, you start when you start out in the hobby, you start out as a gamer, right? And you start painting and you realize that you like painting and then you identify yourself as a painter. And, um, you know, when it transitioned over to the teaching, it was kind of like a natural progression because especially when I got into miniature painting, um, there was a lot of artists that were out there. Patreon wasn't, um, you know, a big thing. Um, we definitely have the YouTube videos. You know, you've got you've got um, the, the WGC and, and a few of the of the YouTubers that were out there that were doing videos. But other than that, really, I mean – Man, you had to wade through a lot of, of uh, um, gosh, you know, like forums and blogs and stuff like that. But there was a really nice emphasis on teaching uh, in your community. And that's how I learned. Um, when I started painting, you know, as a gamer and realizing that I liked to paint and I enjoyed to paint, entered a, a paint competition, you know, the normal kind of progression that you would be as a gamer that paints. You're going to enter a local paint competition and um you know two of the one of the painters that was competing in it and then the the judge were both golden demon uh level painters you know they they both won awards and they kind of just take you into their wing and they start teaching you the different techniques stuff like that so it's just natural to want to share those techniques and that's what got me into teaching was you know being asked hey well why don't, why don't you try you know teaching a few classes teach it at ReaperCon, teach it, Adepticon, teach it, Nova. Um, super enjoyed it and realized 
how how gratifying it is to watch other people grow in their hobby and get that aha moments. That's one thing that me and Kat talk about all the time, especially in our in our classes, are those aha moments when we see the students like the light just turns on, you know, clicks and you're just like, yeah, that's so awesome. Um, you know, and we really gravitated towards that. And I, I think that's what what really caused the shift in going over to teaching was just, um, you know, getting the getting to be able to share what we're doing and what we're teaching, uh, what what we know, you know, sharing the knowledge, sharing um, the techniques and watching other people grow in their hobby, develop in their hobby, get excited in their hobby. So it was pretty easy to transition over to it. And um, now I definitely spend a lot more time teaching and developing curriculum than I actually do painting. <laughs> are, are you okay with that? Are you happy with that? Oh, absolutely. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't get such give a fun to... journey. Yeah. We were just talking about that today, you know, me and Kat and um, just, you know, the direction that CK studio is going and all of that stuff. It's just like, man, you know, realizing the impact that we're having and being able to share that it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's super gratifying. I mean, it, it's very gratifying. Awesome. Thank you. I'd like to chime in again, Dan. <laughs> I don't want to again. <laughs> nah, they were doing all the talking and stuff. No, no. I just, uh, I, I feel bad. I don't want to leave dead air because you're probably like, when's Mike going to talk over me? <laughs> yeah, Mike, hurry up and keep talking. So, you were, um, you know, we have all these questions that we were going to ask, and, you know, we figured at some point we would try to go off base a little bit. So you're talking about, like, uh, how you mentioned that you and um, Kat were, were having a discussion about, you know, where you were and, and you know what progressions you've done um and it wouldn't be a, a cool interview without us talking about or at least bringing up uh your experiences at games workshop with the airbrush video um we don't want to go into that one too much but what um what takeaways from that experience having to travel to to England and go into their their <laughs> studios and do painting uh, what what was that experience like? Yeah. Kat, you want me to go first or you want to go first? No, go for it. Um, so the experience, you know, not to underplay it, um, the 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 filming and stuff was stressful. I won't I won't lie about that. Um, <laughs> you know, Peachy and Duncan are absolute pros. Um, mm -hmm. to 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 get behind a camera and to get behind the lights and um you know try to paint in such a cramped area and and make everything kind of natural and smooth and you know it it was difficult it was difficult um but you know it was it you know that's what we do and and, and because of that it was almost like a, another day in the office um it was different it was fun it was really enjoyable um, so there wasn't like a lot of takeaway for doing the videos. I mean, it was neat. It was, a, I really don't want to downplay how, how neat the experience was. Um, but what was amazing was getting to go over and see Games Workshop, um, getting to see what Games Workshop is because, oh man, unfortunately, all of us over here on, on, in the United States and maybe, you know, maybe even in Europe and stuff like that, 
we don't get to see kind of behind the curtain. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there's a lot of speculation, like, you know, um, there's been a lot of discussion about like the paint pots and, and, and the merits of the paint pot. And one of the things that we always hear a lot, and this is something that I've, I've, since I've been in the hobby, you've heard is that, you know, kind of GW is like this, uh, this megalith, uh, corporate entity. Um, you know, I think someone used the term, uh, the evil empire. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's easy to kind of, kind of feel that way, especially when you're, we get very uh, emotionally attached to our hobby, and everybody loves their favorite faction, regardless of it's Eldar or um, Necrons or Space Marines or whatever. And, you know, a lot of times we don't feel like we're getting the, the love that we should, and then we really see a lot of these models come out and the codex creep. And I mean, you know, I, I could talk on for hours about the, the ideals that we hear, especially reading. You know, you get on the Internet, you really read a lot of the stuff about how it's just all about money. It's about making money. Um, the, the paint pots are all about encouraging people to spill paint or to lose paint because it's just about making more money and stuff like that. And, um, you know, we got to go over there and part of our trip over there was product development. We went in and we got to really break down like the airbrush paints and, and a lot of different products and kind of go through the, the, like the nuts and bolts of them and really how they work and why they work and what we liked about them and what we would like to see changed, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, the, the amazing thing was, is that it was never brought up like, no, 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 we won't do this because it'll hurt our margins or we should do this because we can make more money or we should do this because, you know, it was never brought up like, like money or, or expenses or stuff like that. It was about what are our holes in the hobby? What do the hobbyists need that we don't have? What can we develop to make what we have better work, you know, and the shift. And then you start meeting the, the people behind the, the curtain, you know, the people that are actually doing the work and learning uh, first seeing their, their passion. Uh, we ran into, we worked with one guy who's been with GW for what, 29 years. I think he said 27 yeah. or 29. Um, incredible. Yeah. You know, how many people do you know that work at a company that have been with that company for that long that are still just absolute fans of what they're doing? And everybody there is just in love with their hobby. Um, you know, we'd get done with the day and the, the people that we were working with, like, hey, you know, what are you going to – and you expect most of them to say, well, I'm going to head home. You know, I got this to do or I got that to do. And they're like, well, no, you know, what? we're going to go down to Budman's and I'm going to meet up with so-and-so. Um, we got a game of Necromunda or we're trying to finish this campaign or we're doing – and you're just like, wow, these guys are surrounded by the hobby all day. And yet they're still hobbying in their free time. Um, so it was amazing um, to learn the process of how development is um, – you know, when they develop a model, it's not like, hey, we, we need to, to fill a hole in, 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 an, in an army. We need to fill a hole, and, and we need to sell this product. So let's develop this model, and we'll put the rules together to make sure we sell this model really well. That's not the way that the system works. Um, the way the, the system works with how a model is developed is it's actually the sculptors. The sculptors are like, you know, I'm inspired by this story. I've always wanted to sculpt this, or I've always wanted to sculpt that. And I, I've had this idea. He sculpts that model. That's that's the start of of how something makes it through the system. So now that they've got the model sculpted, 
Now they need to decide, well, how does it fit? How does it fit into the universe or into, you know, into that, that game system? But they're not talking about the game system. They're talking about how it fits in that universe. And so you get the backstory. So you have the lore writers that get involved and they start writing the lore about the models. Well, then once they have the lore of the models, they're like, okay, well, how can we fit this into the game? And make sure that it's not like super broken, make sure it's enjoyable to play, make sure that it's filling that need, stuff like that. And that's how they develop the rules. And then, of course, you know, you've, you've got to have those rules vetted. They, they've got their play systems, their testers that test the rules and try to find the breaks in it, you know. And, and obviously, rules are going to have breaks in it. We, we're seeing that with every game system that comes out. Some, some companies are better at finding those breaks. <laughs> and some companies aren't, you know. Um, but I think, you know, the, the heart of the development is, is that artistry, that, that passion for, I want this. And we're seeing that now. You're seeing that with the development of, of how the model systems are, are being. And yeah, there are some, some lines that, that some people feel are not getting the love, but then you're seeing like the, the Illumin, Illuminati or whatever, you know. It's a, a complete rework of the high elves, you know, and who, how do you have a fantasy line without having the high elves? That's like having a fantasy line with no orcs or no humans, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, it took them a bit to get there, but look at what they did with it. And, I mean, it just – the new models are just blown blowing me away. Um, so that was – I think that was the biggest takeaway I got was uh, a new – newfound respect for GW and the business itself because um, they are like really hobby driven. Surprisingly so. Surprisingly so. Cool. Kat, any takeaways from your trip that are different? Yeah, I, I had um, I had a very similar experience with Caleb and you know, one of the um, joy factors for me was actually getting to go um, through the tour down there and go with someone who knew the history of GW intimately and knew all the artists that – what is that area called, Caleb, that they, they have their whole – the whole history walk? I can't remember what that thing's called. I don't know. It's like the museum. The, the ex, exposition or something like that. And you yeah. walk through this, and it's literally an entire history from start to finish of – this this entire game platform and the guy that took us through and <laughs> shared with us the stories of all the people behind it and where these stories came the people came into the hobby and their how long they were there and how they had impacted the stories that we know and love now and um it was such a fun thing because Caleb and I had taken that that kind of journey on through that exposition ourselves um, a year and a half before that, when we had taught over there and we brought a bunch of our students to Warhammer World to do, um, basically, we had a field trip together. And we went through and did that exposition at that time. And we just kind of read through everything. We experienced it. But to go behind the scenes and get this opportunity to hear about the entire history from start to now from someone who's literally been with the company that entire time was absolutely epic to me. And I just walked away from that going, this entire experience that we all get is built on love. It's built on a, these people are 
100% like Caleb said, they love what they do. And, and I, I have to get, I have to back Caleb up on this one. We never once the entire time we were there, we worked with a lot of different teams while we were there. We never heard a single person give way over to the consumer side of it. It was all about the community and it was all about making the experience good for the people that are supporting them and the reason why they're there. They are so aware of that and they're so focused on that. And yeah, they do, you know, they are a business. They do have their own goals and, and trajectories and things like that. And they want to go and grow and be in places, but what's going on and driving that in the background was just a phenomenal experience to learn. Um, I also had a lot of fun getting to observe, you know, the kind of the path Caleb took with teaching while we were there because it was real where you guys have gone in and got to sit through our standardized classes. These are pre-built curriculums and we, you know, we do all of our tweaks and our, and everything. We get this all set up for you guys. When you come into a workshop, this is something that, you know, we've built out and been working on for years and we want to make sure all of our students are getting the ultimate experience and, and we go in there with our game plan together. Same thing with all of the events that we do. We've got our game plan together. We know exactly what we're teaching. We've been talking about it for six months and we go into this experience and we found out when the students came into the room, what we should be teaching. So, and it was based on built around the level of the students. And so it was where it was, yes, another day in the office, it was on your toes. <laughs> it was watching Caleb in his finest hour getting to teach. And it just, it really proved to me, um, it not only the professionalism Caleb has for it, but that how literally when you're sitting in a class of his, that he actually knows what the hell he's talking about and can just teach it. And it gave, you know, we had to do several workshops while we were there. And Games Workshop has never brought anybody in to teach. I mean, most, a lot of these people that were in there, Duncan included, had never sat through a class before. And this was their wow, first that's interesting. Wow, yeah, yeah, it is. It was their first experience ever, ever sitting through a class. And to watch it, you wouldn't know that Caleb didn't walk in with, you know, a six-month plan for teaching every single one of those workshops we did. It was really – it was exciting for me on our side of it to kind of get to get to do um, a little bit of magic. And it's both of us doing, you know, working the room. You guys have sat in our classes. We, mm -hmm. we both have our roles in the room, and we kind of have that no student left behind. He may be up teaching it, but I'm in walking around and supporting it, and I know where he's going all the time in class, so I I can kind of help students along that way. No, it was a lot of I had to pay attention to what he was doing because I had to figure out where he was going, and it was good symmetry. I mean, we we good chemistry, we 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 handled it well, but it made it challenging and fun. And you're in the hot seat. I mean, we were at GW. <laughs> it was, yeah. you know. We, we needed this to go really well. And um, they had brought us over there and they paid for us to be there and putting us up for the week to give them a really good experience. And, and I really walked away from it feeling like we had, and we got to share something with all of those folks and they were so excited. Again, you're tapping into these hobbyists. They were so excited. They got to take a class finally. <laughs> that's that's it was, cool. Yeah. It was amazing. And we were teaching the artists from the studios. We were teaching people from marketing, people, people from product development, people like 
um, Peach and Duncan and stuff that, you know, are in the studios. Um, it, it was such a wide variety of people because, again, they all are into it. So to get to sit and actually learn how to airbrush and, you know, that first experience when you walk into an airbrushing class and it's like this kind of new territory, even if you've done it before, you're you're probably going to learn something. And they all went into it like that. And it was it was really, really cool. It was it was a neat experience. And they sure treated us really well. They were very good to us while we were over there. We were really impressed. And um we spent a lot of time. We've got a lot of friends at GW because we've just been kind of enmeshed with them for years now and have been working with their product and working with them at events and different things like that. And we've, we've gotten to know a lot of their team over there. We got to expand out on that and, you know, and um, actually spend some time on their turf instead of over here, which was fun. And so we, we had some, we had some fun experiences while we were over there. Excellent. We'll do it, do it again in a heartbeat. So as a follow-up, legend has it that when you go to do something at GW, you sometimes find yourself in the GW studios. I know you can't give specifics, but if you would you guys just like happen to see something that hasn't been released and you're like, holy shit, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. You no. know, um, it was interesting. Yeah. That, well, yes, we did, though, Caleb. This was really cool. We had, when we walked in, we get our security badges and stuff, and we pretty much had um, access to the complex. The only place we didn't have access to were the studios. Really? We did oh. not have access to the studios. <laughs> oh, my gosh. locked up like Fort Knox. Wow. It is. And I mean, it is there. No, the windows are all blocked off. You can't even see into the building. So there was no even peeking into there to see into the studios. But what we did have was um, a journey into working with our product development team. And those were the guys that were doing um, digital digital sculpting. And we actually got to sit down and use their their like custom. They have custom digital tools and software and everything that they use. So we got to they let us and they were in the middle of their projects. And, yes, they were working on stuff that doesn't come out for two years. Cool Mm -hmm. stuff. It was really, really cool. And we're going, whoa, can't wait for two years. Okay. I'm so that's cool. Can we just we just fast forward two years right now because I want that. And they yeah. let us sit down at their stations and they're in the middle of projects and let us use their tools and poke around at what they were doing and modify their their sculpts and stuff. And it was so much fun. Oh my gosh, that was so much fun. And they're like, it's you know, it's a computer. Reach over the keyboard, Control Z, Control Z, Control Z. They were right back where they started, so we didn't hurt anything. There was, there's no. There was a lot of Control Zs though. They, they didn't. We didn't leave any CK tags on anything, so it was a lot. Oh, we that tried. would have been awesome. <laughs> you see the butt on this new high elf. Look at this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and every one of those guys, they're so into it. They're just so into the entire scope of it. And, again, again, it had nothing – but you, you're walking around there. It had not – it's not giving them credit because they're very obviously a successful business, but just didn't have anything to do with money. And it didn't have anything to do with a monopoly. It had everything to do with having fun and making this a good time for everybody. And it was cool. It was really cool to see that and experience it. 
Oh, that's awesome. Excellent. All right, Mike, your turn. What do you got? Um, you know, I, I kind of actually want to keep the teaching thing going a little bit. This is kind of, this one isn't on, um, the actual questions, but so as a teacher, how has that made you a better painter? Great question. Great question. Um, you know, one of the interesting things, especially when we started this, was um, learning to be a better teacher. Learning to be a better teacher. Cat would have me teach her what I was planning to teach. And as I'm sitting there teaching her, she would stop me, like right in the middle of what I was doing, and say, wait a minute, why did you do that? And you'd be like, oh, what do you mean? Why did I do that? You you moved your brush this way or you spun your hand this way. Why did you do that? And you had to stop for a minute. I had to start thinking about it. And I'm like, why did I do that? And when you advance in painting, you forget. You forget what you didn't know when you were first learning. It becomes kind of second nature. And so being forced to, to break down and and learn the technicalities of what you learn to do naturally um just increase increases your ability one to teach it because you've got to be able to break it down and teach the things that you've kind of forgotten that you learned um but what it did and what i'm really noticing is it it made me really slow down and start to consider the wise and it's very important to me to teach the wise to students um, I love to use the example. There was a painter uh, a couple years back, and they they fantastic non-metallic metals. I mean, he is just a phenomenal non-metallic metals painter. And he did a video, and it taught how to paint non-metallic metals. But the cla- the video was about put this light here, put this light here, put this light here, put this shadow here, put this shadow there. They never got into the whys of why to put those shadows there. And what you got was for a month after that, you saw the exact same model, just phenomenally painted. Like everybody was painting this non-metallic metals. It was like, oh, my goodness, so great. Well, then you saw those artists branch out, and they tried to do the exact same technique on a similar model, just with a different pose. And they couldn't do it because the whys weren't taught to it. And and so it's really important that you learn to teach the wise. But what happens when you're learning to teach the wise is you teach yourself because you're learning. Why why do you put that color right there? What was the reasoning behind that? And yeah, it's it's an advanced skill and it's something that becomes innate, you know. Um some people just have a feel for color, have a feel for light, stuff like that. But allowing me to learn the whys of it allowed me to consider my painting and go, well, wait a minute. If I took that rule that I did there and the why worked there, well, what if I did it here? And I've I've actually seen my painting progress because things that I weren't understanding seeing other painters paint, I actually knew how they were doing it and why they were doing it. I just never put two and two together. But but learning how to how to break down your own painting will help you learn how to break down the painting of other people that are better than you or or more advanced or you know I hate to use that word like better and stuff like that but maybe they see a model a different way you can learn how they saw it and kind of follow their trajectory on how they did it which will in turn increase your painting ability yeah 
No, that's awesome. That's all. Kat, how about how, how is uh, teaching kind of impacted you? I think um, because I kind of came at this with Caleb, I was coming from a community standpoint. Um, it really allowed me the opportunity to get to know people in a more intimate kind of way than just in an online environment and really kind of opened up my eyes to the passion that's behind so much of what's going on in the hobby. And it, it's inspiring and people's stories are inspiring. And you guys, you know, if you're active at all in the, in the CK studios alumni and stuff, every once in a while, I kind of throw out something and, and kind of do a feel and a touch and see how everybody's doing or where they're coming from or what's going on because I love the stories. And it's, it's something that we have that connects all of us, even if we're playing different armies and we're playing against each other, and we're doing all these things to compete against each other. There's this unifying thing going on. And it's, it's created community and the community itself becomes very inspiring because you start seeing everybody go through their wins and they're conquering things that they couldn't do before. And they're, they're growing as an artist and they're doing all these things. You start kind of paying attention to their stories and you're like, man, I want to try that. I've never done that. Wow, I just learned something. I did it today. Um, I did it with Dan Osborne posted up a, a tutorial today on a chipping method he does that I've never tried. And I'm like, right on. I am so excited to see that. I'm saving this post. I'm totally going to try this out the next time I'm working on this. That was so cool. And so it's it's kind of that give and take. Um, there's always room for personal improvement. And getting to grow my own, it's almost like getting to grow my own personal library of experiences through the community we've developed and to, to take that back from them, to pay attention to what people are doing and to, to be in the mode of we're all ready to learn at any given point and we're all ready to be inspired and we're all on this kind of same journey, even if we're not on the same exact road on it, we're kind of on the same journey, most of us at the same time. And that's been kind of, it's a driving factor for me when, when Caleb and I've had moments of, cause we don't do this for a living. We've got other parts of life going on. It's like, wow, this is, this is a lot. This is a lot of work. It, it, it comes right back to community and it's like, we can't give it up if nothing else, because the community, we love our community and we love these moments. We love being inspired and sharing it. And it's dramatically impacted my my painting or when I do get time to paint how I want that experience to be which is not something I was I was thinking about when I first started painting was how I want this experience to be and it's it's giving me kind of a platform there see Dan it is their fault this is where we get our passion of painting you know they started us out you know of course of course (laughs) so uh Kat you mentioned about community and you know you have other jobs you do other things outside of painting and this isn't 100 percent of your life so what other creative outlets do you have and how does that kind of complement painting oh that's really fun um I'm also a canvas artist um, in fact, I've taught some of my canvas work um, through acrylic pouring at a couple of the conventions. Now I've done it at LVO and I've done it at Nova, to which they both asked me to come back and do it again. It's just a 
massive commitment because it's a lot of materials. So I haven't done, I haven't taken it back yet. I may revisit that one of these days. But um, yeah, there's there's other things that I'm interested in as an artist. In fact, recently I've been going down to an art center that's here in Sacramento um, on Saturdays, and I've done it I think four different times now um, in this, this series they're doing, and it's clay sculpting. And it's not the sculpting we're doing, you know, when we're we're working with Sculpey or whatever, whatever you're using for um, the models. This is legit clay sculpting. And I had never done that before. I'd never worked with a medium that way. So I've, in fact, I just got to notice that all my pieces have been fired um, and I need to go finish them off. I need to glaze them and stuff. And funny enough, I go in, the first thing I want to do is sculpt a baby Yoda. You know, uh, I, I, I couldn't take the nerd away from me long enough to go in there and do something like a vase, you know, <laughs> I go in and, and hand sculpt a baby Yoda. Well, so put a hole in his head. That's a va- baby Yoda vase, right? Right. Yeah. A bunch of, bunch of things in the back and make a, a paint brush holder out of him. I thought about that. So, um, yeah, so there's, um, Art for me is, is, has always been a part of what I do. I, I, as an adult have, in fact, it was one of the first jobs I did in college was making a, creating a art studio lab area for developmentally disabled adults. Um, so they had a place that they could go and make money at during the year or make, make things that they, had a creative outlet and it it was a lot of work with developmentally disabled adults that were low functioning. They couldn't go out and get jobs and whatnot. So I gave them this, this platform that they could sit and do art and they, we would work on projects all year long and then we would get to the end of the year. And in December we would have a Christmas fair where we made this, you know, huge deal out of having families come around and friends and all that stuff. And the students would get to sell their products that they made all year and it was their only income stream for the entire year. And, you know, all of them wanted to buy products from each other. So they'd get money in and they'd run over and buy something from a friend. And, you know, it was, it was the neatest thing to actually watch. And that was literally, I was 18 years old when I did that. Oh. And I have, and also that program's still in place. It was a county program. That program is still in place out there, and I'm not going to tell you how many decades ago that was, but it was a long time ago, (laughs) and they're still doing it. Um, They're still doing it to this day, and I just, that was, that was a really neat experience. I think art imprinted itself on me and community, and that you can teach through art, and you can make, you can make experiences happen, and you have the potential to make a difference. And this part of my journey with Caleb and, and we joke and laugh all the time. I'm always saying you're doing, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing at all times. You might not be able to see the route you're on right in front of you at the moment, but if you take a look back, you can see that all roads were pointing directly where you're at right now. And that was the start of it. And um, for the past few decades, I've never had a house, an apartment, anywhere I've ever lived without an art studio in it. And I've gone back to college to take more art classes over the years. Um, the last round of them was about six years ago. Cool. Yeah, it's had a big impact on my life. Very nice. Caleb, so you uh, are you 
I, let me how to, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this because it's the same question, but I know that you do plints and things along those lines on, on, uh, on occasion and such are, is that kind of an alternative creative outlet for you or, um, do you, are you painting in other ways as well? No, I'm not painting in other ways. I've never been a terribly artistic, creative person. Um, it's really, it's, it's actually very odd that I even wound up in this hobby. Um, I've always been a very sports activity type person. Um, so I don't have a lot of other creative outlets. I mean, the the wood was really fun. Um, I burned out of it very quickly. <laughs> you know, I got a lot of people that are that are still, you know, messaging me and they'd like more stuff. And I just, uh, man, I just don't even want to do it. It just, I, I don't know. It was fun. It was really neat to kind of try it out. And I enjoyed it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Painting is definitely uh, centermost for me for, for creativity. You both have been on your journeys and you're established and you're very experienced painters and you've seen a lot of really cool stuff out there. In my line of work, I look at how companies and organizations transition from where they are to where they want to be. And one of those is a challenge. So where you're at right now in your journeys, what kind of challenges do you face that typically beginners wouldn't really face or or even expect to face? That's a good one. Kat, do you want to start? You, want to <laughs> you, know, you know, I can say, I, and it might be a little more fluid then. I don't know that it's um, relative to uh, time behind the table. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges that I face, and I think it's it's common along anybody's journey, is um, when you hit that critical path of, man, I just don't know what to do. I can sit down at my desk and I want to paint, but all I'm noticing around me is I've got a mess and I need to clean it up and I can't get inspired because I can't see my models. And, okay, get all the clutter sorted. And I sit down, I've got that model in front of me and I'm looking at it going, man, I just can't, I can't get, I can't get into this right now. I'm just in a, I'm in a rut. I can't paint. I, I'm just feeling uninspired. Um, I think that's one of those things that it, it does. It's, I didn't face it as much when I just was just getting into the hobby and I was super jazzed all the time. And, you know, I wanted to buy a million models and constantly buying. I swear I bought everything that came across my feed on Facebook for like two years. And it this was sounds like everybody. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it true? You just have that like burning passion that just doesn't stop. And then, you know, at a, at a certain point in your process, and I think everybody literally hits this, but they hit that wall and it's like, man, I just, I can't, I can't find that, that burn. I can't find that passion at this moment. And I want to say anymore because I think everybody, you reconnect again. And you reconnect again, you reconnect. And I know one of the things that Caleb and I, because we talk about this all the time, one of the things that we talk about is we have to have other things to do. And we both ride motorcycles, um, dirt bikes and things like that. And like I'm about to get into scuba diving, doing the, the other um, types of art and things like that. So that when I come back to sit down and do my, my work on a miniature, when I actually have time for it, I look at that piece and I'm like, oh, man, I want to play with you. I just want to get some color on you. I want to paint you. I'm not blocked. When that's all I'm doing is teaching or work, not teaching, but because Caleb does the 
physical teaching of it, but working the process of getting us to teaching. And I'm in my studio all day long working because it's where my office is. I can get stuck. And it's those stuck points that, that hurt. But that actually comes for most people kind of somewhere down the road. It's not a, it's not a beginner issue. It's, you've been doing it for a while and you hit the rut and eventually everybody gets out of it. And that's the one thing when people are like, man, I'm, I'm up against the wall. How do you get, how, you know, how do you get re-inspired for this? And all I can think is of the thousands of people, even with hobby hangout and things like that, that we hear these stories from is everybody gets beyond it. At some point, there's something that happens for everybody. You have to have your own journey on it to get past it. And it's time. It's mm-hmm. that things have got to happen and it's got to take a little time, but everybody gets past it. There's very few people that actually put down the paintbrush and put down the model and close up their studio and never come back to it. We've heard stories of people saying, you know, it's been seven years since I painted anything, but I'm back. It's been 12 years since I painted anything, but I'm back. It's, you know, it's been two months since I haven't been able to do anything, but I'm back. It's, this isn't a hobby that normally permanently goes away for anybody. I, I, you just, you very, very rarely hear those stories where they knew someone who walked away from it completely and never came back. And it's that that's seven a, years. No, I'm sorry. Go, I was just going to no. say seven years. Those are amateurs. I took 25 years off. <laughs> they came back, didn't you? I did, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. And that's what I'm talking about. I mean, there's this is something that once you get this hobby bug, this actual unique hobby, and I do so many different art forms, this one in particular, there's just something about it. You'll be back. <laughs> Don't pick up the brush if you don't want to keep doing this because it's going to be part of your life for a very long time. <laughs> yep. Sorry about that, Dan. I didn't mean no, to interrupt that's all right. you before. <laughs> um, I was just going to just make a statement that uh, it, it's just important for people to, to understand and see that it it really doesn't matter where you are in that journey and how much experience you have, but we do run into that. I ran into it for a bunch of years. Uh, I took some strange airbrushing class and it pulled me out and got me on a different path. <laughs> and um, and I've witnessed and seen all of those uh, posts also. They're, it's a daily occurrence. And we wish that we could, you know, just plug a computer in our brain and say, hey, you know, it's going to be okay. But uh, some people just need a different type of motivation to get out of that rut. And yeah. you never know what it is. Sometimes it lasts a couple of days. Too. Sometimes it burns out. And I'm just saying, what, you know, what you were um, saying about the burnout is um, I wonder if we see that with uh, a lot of our commission painters because it is oh, so yeah. popular right now that they're just stuck in it. They're looking at painting all the time. And after a while, it just burns too much into their soul. And they're like, hey, I just got to get away from this. Oh, Caleb, Caleb could tell you all about that. Aha. <laughs> oh yeah, I that that is is real, and I mean, it's such a complex issue because, um, you know, it starts out commission painting is it, it's so cool. You know what I mean? So awesome. I'm gonna get paid to do something I love to do. And it starts out like like you're just loving it, and it's oh man, this is so great, and I get to paint all these other models that I've always wanted to paint, and now I don't have to buy them, I get to paint them, and all, that. and then 
what you'll find is all of a sudden one day you're just in the living room and you're looking over at the studio, but you don't want to go out there because you know you've got stuff that you need to do. <laughs> you know, you've got a job. And so you can't go out and just sit and enjoy your studio. You can't go out there and, and, and have the creative juices flowing because every time you step out in the studio, you look up and there's a project that's time sensitive that you need to get on. And then you start making excuses for why you're not going to be in the studio. And maybe you're cleaning the studio every week. I don't know who would do that. You know, there, there, and it, just takes, <laughs> it does. It takes that drive and desire away from the hobby. And gosh, I want to say like for like serious painting, I, I, I took a good, we say about a two year break to where, I mean, I was putting out stuff. Most of it was, commission work or or class example model stuff like that but i didn't go into the studio to paint for myself or to paint to enter something or you know any of those any of those things that get you into painting um the mm -hmm. reason i got into painting was because it was relaxation it was you know I, I i would go paint to relax and to chill out and to get out of my own head for a little while and uh man it, it went away and you got to be careful. Those commission commission painters, especially, you got to be really careful to make sure that you keep a balance. It's hard to say no to a really good project, even though you know you're going to hate it, but the money is really good. You know, it's hard to say no to that project. Mm. So, eh, yeah, that's a tough one. That is yeah. that is a really tough one. Um, between that and and getting in a competition painting are probably the two biggest. Uh, what would you say? Hobby inspiration killers. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike, do you want to, you want to take the follow up or do you want me to just shoot it away? No, I, I mean, I could take it, but I just want I was going to add, I think uh, with different levels that, that wall, I, I guess I'll call it a wall or a rut is kind of different. Cause I remember when I, when I first started back in and I was stuck and couldn't paint, it was more of an overwhelmed feeling. Like I didn't know where to begin. And now as I get more experience, more, you know, as I become more experienced, I'm transitioning into that, huh, I need to organize these paints. Huh. Why, where, where's all this, you know, and I spend time looking for stuff that I don't need for a project, you know, <laughs> like, <clears throat> where's that fur, fur mold? I know there's no fur on this model, but that's okay. You know, I need to find that. And so, right, it kind of the... <clears throat> It kind of transitions, excuse me, sorry about that, uh, from, from different types. But, uh, so one of the other, quite kind of the follow up question to that was, um, as experienced painters, what kind of pitfalls do, uh, less experienced painters fall into when they enter or try to do a competition piece? Oh, that is a good question. So I'm going to field that one. Mm -hmm. uh, got a lot of experience with it um you know that that was where my passion for painting really really hit um you know i i talked about how when i got into the hobby i was gaming a lot and i was a decent painter um, you know my, my armies look good on the tabletop and i entered that paint competition that local paint competition and kind of got introduced to there's a much higher quality of painting out there that's attainable and and high quality painting is attainable to anybody. You do not have to be super artistic. You do not have to be 
unnatural. Um, you know, I, I always like to tell people I am not artistic. I don't feel that I'm artistic. Uh, I have a hard time drawing stick figures. Um, but I, I, I can break down technique and I can be a very technical painter and anybody can do that. Anybody can learn to be a good painter. Um, it's, it's learning and getting that desire to, to stick through it. And that's where competition painting comes in is you just get this desire and competition painting has its, its, its highs and it's got its lows. Um, the, the, the positive value for it, especially the positive value for me for commission, for competition painting is you always push, you know, you're always pushing yourself. You're always learning more and getting better. And it, it forces you to it. Um, there's a lot of times where, you know, if you're just painting a model for yourself and you're not really interested in co competition paint or something like that, you might get to a point where something doesn't work, where you struggle a little bit and you'll be like, oh, that's good enough. Um, you know, I'm not super happy with it, but I'm good. And then you'll find that you plateau. You just your painting abilities have, have reached a point where they just plateau and you can you're just continuing to paint models and you run into that same hurdle and you just kind of skip past it. But with competition painting, you're just like, I have to push through this. And there's been times where I have been so frustrated with a model. I just want to throw it, you know, but man, the biggest bur the biggest growth that I've had in painting is when I suffered through that section of the model. And I figured out how to fix it. I learned how to do it. And then you're just like, oh, wow. And it opens up that next level. And then you start that next journey, that, that next climb, you know, off of that plateau. And eventually, you know, you'll, see, you'll just continue to climb. Competition painting is great for that. The pitfall to it is when you get stuck into worrying about the results of competition painting. Um, you know, the, 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 the biggest deficit or I guess the biggest um, weakness of competition painting is that painting is is a personal journey and it's subjective and judges are subjective you know they're going to be biased by what they want I, I I when we were putting together the the draconic awards and we were designing the judging system for it when I bring the judges in and to get them out of their own heads, you know, you always ask that question to them is how do you care? How do you compare a Monet and a Degas? How do you compare an Andy Warhol versus Andy Warhol versus um, a Picasso? Which one's better? How do you judge what is better? You know, they're all masters. They're all masterpieces, but it's all personal preference. And that's why, in, in fine art, there is no painting competition. You can't have a painting competition because it's subjective. And when artists get into painting competitions and they get caught up in the results, and all of us get extremely uh, emotionally attached to our, our pieces. And you're going to look at your piece and you're going to look at another piece out there and you're like, my piece is so much better because I did this and I did this and I know the struggles that I accomplished and I see what I accomplished and I see what I built. And Maybe they didn't have the same, but now you got an artist that comes in, you know, as the judge, and maybe their journey was different. And what you struggled on to build, they just naturally picked up. So it's not a big deal to them. They're just like, yeah, that's not a real big deal. Oh, yeah, their blends are, are really nice and smooth. That's cool. That's cool. You know, I, I never really struggled with blends, but I struggle with light. And look at this guy's light, and he judges him better. And it's devastating. I have watched artists quit painting because of results at a competition. 
where they're just like, I'm done. I'm never picking up a brush again. I'm so frustrated. And they walk away from the hobby because they were so worried about the results, about about where what the, the judgment was and where their expectations were versus, you know, where the other people, you know, the judges kind of define what they are. And you see a lot of people that define their painting, their their ability to paint based on on the results of, of competitions. Um, so, you know, that's really dangerous. Luckily, um, you know, because of how much I've done and maybe it's from competing in other things, you know, um, competing in other sports where it is very cut and dry. If you're the first one to the finish line, you won. It's not subjective. It's not, well, you know, he got there first, but he didn't have as much style or, you know, maybe his colors were, <laughs> he got there first, you know. So so having that cut and dry makes you realize that, hey, you know, coming into to competitions, it is very subjective. And now you, you have to learn. Yes, you want to push. You want to put out the best, best product you have, but put out the best product you have for you. Um, I always like to tell, and like when I'm talking with, with my friends or with people and they're asking me about entering competition, I, I'm not worried about the results. Um, it's neat. It's, it's exciting when you win. I'm not going to lie. It's exciting. But honestly, it's about being part of the show. And that's what's really important to me is not to worry about where I place, but just knowing that I was part of the show. And, and who knows? Maybe the piece that you put in inspires somebody else to paint. And you'll see that you'll, you'll put in a piece and two years down the road, you, you'll see a, a, a model that's painted almost exactly how you did it. And you know, Hey man, I inspired that person. That, that person saw what I did and took the value out of it. Um, so that's, that's important. And if you can keep that balance, competition painting is great. Competition painting is fantastic. It will push your levels. Um, but man, just try. And it's so hard to say, so hard to say it, but try not to get wrapped up in the results. Try not to get wrapped up in the awards because uh, awards are fleeting. Um, you know, today's winner is is tomorrow's never heard of them painting anymore because they didn't get the results that they wanted at the next event. And, and, and they were expecting that, you know. So, um, you know, I... I yeah, competition paint, man. I, I love it. Competition painting is is such a, a great part and an aspect of of the the paint the hobby community. Um, but hopefully, you can just kind of shift your ideals and and your thoughts and and paint for yourself. That that's really, I guess that whole long spiel would be said that that paint for yourself. Don't paint for results. Paint for yourself. That's a, that's definitely a hard. I, I know that's I, we had a break. In from when we started working on the podcast to when we actually produced it. And I kind of fell a little bit into that trap. I wouldn't say it was the cause. Um, I was kind of on that path anyways to kind of having a, uh, let's say an art artistic crisis, but the results of a competition didn't help. <laughs> it kind of was like the, the straw that broke the camel's back for a bit. You know what I mean? So I could tell I'm trying to grow as you're saying, but I, it's hard. It's hard not to, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to compete, not to win. Right. Right. You know, <laughs> I'm an extremely competitive person, like extremely competitive. So yeah, I, I get it. Um, yep. You just got to kind of have the right mindset for it. So, well, thank you. So do you, do you want to ask the better braver, 
half of your question, Dan? Nope, that's all on you, man. Are you sure? Yeah. All right, because that's usually kind of how we wrap up. Um, and so the motto of the podcast is better, braver, happier. Um, and we, Dan and I both, both want to be better, braver, happier painters, and so we're hoping that we can help others. Um, anything that you all like to kind of share and uh, for our listeners and how to be better, braver, happier, it doesn't have to be all three. Just any kind of final parting thoughts that come to mind. Um, yeah, I would take it I first. Would, yeah, I and and of course, I think these answers are really kind of um, that subjective level, and that it's um, you can almost take it from your own your own perspective. And for me, um, it's about getting in and getting involved in community and um, finding people who are kind of like minded with you on your journey, and never being afraid to learn from someone else because there's that's it's one of the strengths of the hobby community in itself is that there's always someone out there who's probably done what you want to do and if you're sitting there and you're struggling through it and you've got an idea or a concept in your head and you're like I'm seeing this picture online I really want to create this result and I can't even for the life of me figure out where to start and if you're if you're part of a community and these are, you know, people that are all enjoying and sharing in the same passion of a similar experience, it's an incredible resource to be able to tap into. And you watch people grow. Um, I see it in the Hobby Hangout, and I did for years, and um, we see it with the CK Studios community. Um, the, the idea of... Um, <laughs> I survived the ugly phase. Oh, right. <laughs> it's a statement of being better, braver, and happier literally over the course of two days with your painting. It, to be able to create something that you can sit and look at it on Saturday is completely fugly to the next day you have conquered absolutely everything that could have been wrong with that model and you walk out with an, an outstanding result. And it's that in itself, in a nutshell, is that experience. But you're doing it with a whole bunch of people, and you're all on the same trajectory, and you're all on the same path. And it's just to to get to better places in your own growth. And so we have that we have our community that ex, extends that experience. And every day, you're seeing stuff in the in the CK Studios alumni community with man, I tried this and these are the results I got. Or, hey, guys, can you guys give me some feedback here? I'm struggling on this. I'm trying to get here with it. And I, I can't figure out what, what would you do? And then, boom, you've got 16 people telling you different ways that they might approach it. And something in there is probably going to click for you. And it's that community vibe. Um, so for me, honestly, it's it's while each of us are working on our own individual piece, and this is a solo journey when it's sitting in front of you, you have a bunch of people who have your back and can get you through different harder stages and make you more confident in what you're doing and give you props when you get there. And it's, it's for me, that's one of the most embraceive parts of what we're doing is is that experience with the community and it makes me a better painter i know I, it makes me enjoy the experience a lot better and it makes me want to try i want to try things that i see online i'm inspired by what they do <clears throat> i can go back and ask them hey did i get it 
I'm sending messages in the background to people directly going, I tried your, I tried your, your thing here. And you know what? I'm not sure I'm getting the same results you did. What'd you do? And people will help you, you know? So uh, yeah, for me, I, I, the answer is literally get out and get community. Nice. That's fantastic. Caleb, how about you? Um, man, I know. How do you follow that? Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, you know, community, community is so important and, and feeling part of that and being in a, in a positive environment with it, be in those positive environments, get out of those negative environments. If you're in a, in a, a group, a Facebook group, and all they do is bash on painters for trying, get out of that group because that's not the community that you want. Be in those positive communities. And when you're in those positive communities and you get that, 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 um, you know, that inspiration that Kat talks about, don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to fail. And don't judge yourself on what other people do. Judge yourself on what you're doing and, and judge your growth based on what you can do, not on what you see online, not on what you see other artists do. You don't know if that artist photoshopped it. You don't know if that artist has been painting for 15 years and you've only been painting for two years, you know. So don't judge yourself based on what other people are doing. Judge yourself on what you're doing. And then, you know, part of painting brave will make you happy. And, and ultimately, in the end, you will be happy because if you're not afraid to fail, all you have to do is progress. You're never going to get worse. You're just always going to get better. But don't be afraid to fail. When you see those ideas and those projects that you want to do, try them. The worst thing you have to do is primer your model and start over, you know. So, so don't be a, afraid to fail. That's, that's how you learn. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent. So um, we're about to wrap up here because we've taken an awful lot of your time, and this has been fantastic. We probably could talk for another couple hours on this because it's because <laughs> well, we're just a bunch of painting nerds that like to talk about painting. Um, so we talked about how you started. We we talked about uh, how you've grown, how Mike and I have grown as painters, how the community is evolving. What? does the future hold for CK Studios? Oh, 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 oh my gosh. <laughs> it's exciting. <laughs> um, man, Caleb, was it midnight last night when we were having this discussion? Oh. 12.30 in the morning? CC, Mike, yeah. I told you that that was to put that little bug in their room was, was perfect. So perfect. We, got, we got everything <laughs> down. <laughs> yeah. Um, sky's the limit. And, um, Caleb and I are very much aware that, um, the experience we're having is unique. And, um, we've really been, you know, you're on that again. I, <laughs> and I drive Caleb nuts with this. We're, we're on a path and it's taking us somewhere. And we just got to be going down at eyes wide open right now because there's a lot of things that are coming our way that we have a lot of opportunities. And um, they came up again last night where we're just sitting here going, wow, okay, well, step back on that for a second. Where'd that just come from? Okay, we've got something new to consider. All right, what are we going to do with this? And how are we going to incorporate this? And to let CK Studios um, be autonomous and that it has its own like little heartbeat and um, it beats for the people it serves. 
And so as long as we stay true to that, um, it seems like things that can help grow everybody around us keep coming at us and give us the opportunity to maybe we're just set here to be kind of like this. Um, we're a tool and we're, we're kind of put on a path that, that we're allowed to go out and, and things come at us. We're able to create experiences that we get to share and inspire people with continually. And to say the future of CK Studios to me is just eyes wide open and experience the things that are coming at us. Do it, do it kindly, do it wisely and do it with thought and, um, never be bigger than who we are internally and just let CK studios do its thing and let it grow and, and take shape the way it's supposed to. But for Caleb and I to take that journey and be humble and be appreciative is so important. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's kind of, I know it doesn't give you an exact answer to what we're going to be doing because there's a lot of that out there, but for me, it's more of the journey than it is exactly what we're doing and churning through. I didn't want to say that was really a non-answer answer, but you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was beautiful. Yeah. You know what we're. <laughs> I mean, I'll let Caleb give you this more specifics yeah. of. Yeah, like, you, I don't want to put you all growing classes, right growing classes, and doing yeah. things. Yeah, you, you're gonna you're gonna see you're gonna see CK CK Blue CK Studio doing more. Um, yeah, you know, obviously, you know, um, we, we got to do the videos with GW, um, you know, we're really hoping to see, uh, um, more of that, the, the videos were definitely very simple, just an introduction to the airbrush line, which, you know, if you guys have, have followed CK studio and you've listened to us, you've heard us talk about, especially me, I, I am such a sucker for just those smooth, matte finish paints and i just oh i love the gw paints can't can't talk enough about that and i hope that we get the opportunity to uh delve into that more um so we're hoping to see more of that more of that in the future um you know more classes um you know we've got we've got our full lineup right now we've got our 101 we've got our 102 um the 103 you know the night the night class which um, developing that new metal techniques, I think that's really gaining a lot of traction. A lot of people are really interested in that. You come to our conventions, you're going to catch terrain classes. You're going to catch large monster classes. You're going to get black and white, you know, um, all just all of these fun, fun areas that we're teaching at. It's so much fun. And we've got lineup for new classes. Um, you're going to get a few tastes of some of our new classes. Uh, if you make it to Adepticon this year, you're going to see a few of the the precursors, you know, we're test driving what the new classes are going to be. So you get an idea there. Um, we're super excited for that. Uh, conventions, yeah, we're going to have a much, I don't want to say a much larger presence, but I, I think it's going to be a different presence. It's going to be more of a, of a community. Um, how, do, how would you say that, Kat? <laughs> I'm trying to say it without, like, letting the cat out of the bag. Um, how about I ask this? Let me ask this question because I think I'm, it, it might be along the same lines that I was just beating myself up for not asking this. But um, it seems over the last couple of years that you've also added more artists to the CK Studios. Like I've seen oh, like yeah. uh, like Vince Venturella has done work for you. Justin Kiefer has been a part of it too, right? Mm -hmm. And then yeah, uh, also – 
I think even Sam Lenz has done some stuff with you guys as well, right? Yeah, he did, um, I think it was five workshops under the CK Studios banner last year. And we really, it was what a neat thing to get to share. You know, when you talk about um, getting to influence someone's journey in this hobby and um, being able to set him on a path to be have his own autonomy with um, workshops and stuff and give him really kind of a cool platform to launch from. And he was with us for a year. I mean, we did a lot of workshops with Sam and um I believe he learned a lot from the process and grew a lot from it and is able to kind of take that out and do his own thing now. And so you get to watch, you know, it's kind of like kind of like the the bird in the nest <laughs> gaining their wings and flying away and getting to do it successfully. And how cool is that, you know, to influence and have an impact on an artist's life where that's it's a hard go when you're an artist. And he is the only one in our entire group that does it for a living. Right. And it it impacted his his um, what he can do for for income literally. So it's it, wonderful. Yeah. And he's a good dude too. I, I've gotten to take yeah, a class with him. He's a lot of fun to be around. He's rad. He's such a cool dude. Thank you very much for being on the show, uh, Dan. And I appreciate not not only you being here, but everything you've done for us personally and the community. You know, like we said, the, this podcast really is kind of your fault, and uh, thank you. <laughs> That's so cool. Well, thanks so much, and it's something that I I like to take the opportunity when I get to is thank you for inviting us to be a part of your journey. That was an awesome trip down memory lane. I can't believe I forgot about taking a class while wearing a suit. It's funny. When I first went to that convention, it was my very first convention, and I was like a deer in headlights. It was like entering Toontown and Roger Rabbit. Now let's do some minor housekeeping. Uh, Dan and I will be hanging out, uh, but not in any official capacity, at the Richmond International Plastic Modeler Society Old Dominion Open on February 29th, 2020. If you're there, try and find us. I'm 6'4", have glasses and a beard, and will most likely be wearing a Bob Ross shirt. For me, I really don't know what I'll be wearing. I have to wait until a wife lays it out for me. As we close, we want to send a special thank you to Caleb and Kat for joining us today. It was a great show. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at CK Studios. And also, a big thank you to our listeners. We appreciate the support. We'll be back Thursday with a review of Young Miniatures RAF World War II fighter pilot bust, and then next Tuesday with another full episode featuring an interview with Michael Proctor of Clever Crow Studios. If you want to get in contact with us, our email is listening to paintry at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram or on Facebook at Listening to Paint Dry. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and a whole host of other platforms. Please subscribe or follow, and if you can, we really appreciate a positive review. Until next time, remember, it's all about being better, braver, and happier painters. See ya. Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan is a production of LTPDWMD. All rights reserved. No portion of this recording may be used without the express written consent of the host. The music is Death by a Thousand Questions by Springtide. Download from the free music archive on a non-commercial attribution share-alike basis. All views and opinions expressed in the show are solely the views and opinions of the person who said them. All celebrity voices, if any, were impersonated and done so poorly.